0: Good morning, church. My name is Phil and I serve as one of the teaching pastors here. Just three announcements as we get started this morning. If you're new to Wheaton Bible Church, we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to scan the QR code on your seat's armrest, and from there you can learn more about who we are, what we believe, and groups that are available to join. Or fill out a connect card in the seat back in front of you and drop it off at the welcome desk. Please note that our class to learn more about becoming a member that was going to take place this month is being moved to Sunday, November 6th during the 10.30 a.m. service in Connect Central. For more information and to register, visit wheatonbible.org slash membership. Well, it's October, which means our annual missions fest is almost here. This is a special week that we set aside each year in our church's calendar to celebrate stories of courage, hope, and compassion from our missionary family members who serve in over 50 nations and in our community as well. You don't wanna miss our upcoming Sunday services on October 16th and 23rd. Over a dozen visiting missionaries and partners will be here those two Sundays. We'll be exploring the theme of Take Heart, taken from the Gospel of John. To learn more about Missions Fest and all the events surrounding this exciting week, such as Missions Fest Classified and Out of Egypt, check out wheatonbible.org slash missionsfest. That's all I have for you this week. Have a great Sunday morning.
1: Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here this morning as a true family of God. We want to also in jo- invite our students to join us every once in a while, and it helps give them an opportunity to uh, be part of worship. The scripture says that one generation will uh, commend your works to another, and this morning that happened and is continuing to happen. So thank the Lord for these students that uh, played for us this morning. A college student is leading these students. So thanks to Val for putting that together this morning. Um, we also have a special uh, Sunday as that, it, it, this is Hispanic Heritage Month. And as we look forward to Missions Fest for the next two weeks, as you can see the flags all ready to go, um, we are going to sing our first, uh, verse of our first hymn in Spanish. And I was thinking we probably should have sang more than just one in Spanish, but we'll do that next time. So get ready for next next couple weeks um, and enjoy, not only this morning are we enjoying the generations that the Lord has saved us from age zero all the way up, as well as all nations and cultures. We celebrate that today in his grace and his mercy for all of us, no matter who we are or how old we are. Let's stand together and worship together this morning.
2: Señor Rey potente de gloria De sus bondades esté viva en ti la memoria Oh despertar en su presencia entonar os de go soy victoria praise to the Lord who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth shelters thee under his wings he so gently sustaineth hast thou not seen How thy desires all have been Granted in what he ordained Thy work and defend Thee. Surely His goodness and mercy here daily attend Thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. If with His love He befriends To the Lord, oh let all that is in me adore Him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before Him. Let the Amen sound from His people again. Gladly forever adore. the risen king who delight to bring him praise come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace from the shifting shadows of the earth we will lift up our eyes to him where steady arms of mercy reach to gather children in rejoice rejoice let every tongue rejoice one heart one voice for church of christ rejoice whose joy is morning sun and those weeping through the night come those who tell of battles won and those struggling in the fight for his perfect love will never change and his mercies never cease But follow us through all our days with a certain hope of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O Church of Christ, rejoice. Men and women of the faith Come those with full or empty hands Find the riches of His grace Over all the world His people sing Shore to shore we hear them call The truth that cries through every age Our God is all in all Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice one heart, one voice for church of Christ, rejoice, 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 let every Church of Christ
1: rejoice. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. It is so good to be together and to praise his name. <laughs> Psalm 89 says, "I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever with my mouth. I will make known your faithfulness to all generations." and let us celebrate that is what we're doing this morning we can praise him on our own every morning but this is a special time that we come together let's continue we have a fiddle version of marching to zion here we go
2: To Zion, the beautiful city of God, oh, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children. But children of the heavenly King May speak their joys abroad May speak their joys abroad We're marching to Zion Beautiful, beautiful Zion We're marching upward to Zion beautiful city of God. Oh, the beautiful city of God. about and every tear be dry we're marching through Emmanuel's ground we're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high to fairer worlds on high we're marching to Zion We're to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Oh, the beautiful city
1: of God. Amen. Please have a seat. We want to take some time to look at Hebrews 11 and Romans 4 as we come to confess to the Lord our sins and uh, be assured of his uh, forgiveness and compassion and love for us. So we have a responsive reading. The men will start us off.
2: Now Now faith faith is the the assurance of things hoped for, the the conviction conviction of things not seen.
1: By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible.
2: And without faith, it is impossible to please him.
1: For would I, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And, and that, that he rewards, rewards those who seek him. Let's play silently while I lead, this, lead us in this prayer from the book, Prone to Wander. Our Father, help us to approach you with a deep reverence and a joyful faith each day. Give us holy boldness and confidence, like we just sang about, that you are our faithful, covenant-keeping God, and that you cannot abandon or reject us. Forgive us, Lord, for we know we are not faithful followers of you. We have desired and pursued things that injure us, and we have despised some of your chief mercies. Like Esau, we have been quick to exchange the glorious privileges of our birthright in Christ for the fleeting delights of sinful bodily pleasures. How can we ever thank you for your faithful patience with us? Though we are weak and inconsistent, you never change, and you never will. You remain the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And so our weak and faltering faith finds a strong and steady resting place in your perfect strength, goodness, and love. Thank you. May we be rich in faith, strong in power, joyful in its sweetness, vigorous in its nourishment, steady in its source. Lord, increase our faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have one more song we'd like to sing, How Firm a Foundation, and this celebrates that our foundation of our whole faith is in God's word, and we can trust him, and we can trust Jesus Christ. Let's stand for one more song together.
2: Ye saints of the Lord Is laid for your faith In his excellent word What more can he say Than to you he hath said To you who for refuge To Jesus has fled Fear For I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. pathway shall lie my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply the flame shall not hurt thee I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine thy soul and leave for repose. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That's all.
3: As we continue with an attitude of worship, we want to get ready to collect the offering, so I'm going to ask the ushers to please come to the front. Um, As you know, we consider offering uh, in this church as something very important because this is a way we show the Lord that we trust Him much more than what we trust money. So, if you are already part of our church and you sustain the church financially, we want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting the church. Thank you for being committed to the church. And you, if, if you're not there yet, I want to invite you to join us. There's different ways in, the, in which you can do this. You could always uh, give your offering as we pass the plates. We could always, uh, if you're worshiping with us online, you could send your offering to the offices of the church, or you could always go uh, to our website, writtenbible.org/give. Uh, you may pass the plates. As we pass the plates, you can pass the plates. As we pass the plates, um, we want to we wanna take a few minutes to share with you um, a little bit of why is it that as a church, one of the reasons why as a church, are committed to sustaining the church financially. And one of the reasons is because as we sustain the church financially, we are not only providing for the needs of our church here, local church, but we are also uh, supporting um, about 90 missionaries in 52 different countries uh, in different parts of the world. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but a few months ago, uh, actually during the month of July, I had the chance and the opportunity to go to Dominican Republic uh, to spend some time with a couple of our missionaries, Vic, Vic and Leslie uh, Do You guys remember that? Uh, so, I'm going to ask you to please stand, I have already given my warm welcome. Thank you, guys. They are, they are part of, a, of our ministry called Kids Alive that has about 2,000 students uh, it, that, that they serve in a holistic way through schools and through resident programs, if you call or uh, Yeah, kids that live with them for a, for a, for a period of time. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but when I came back, I shared with you a little bit about this uh, young man I met in my trip. He's not, his name is Michael. He's written as Michael, but his name is Michael. so you gotta pronounce it right. Um, and uh, he is the product of what the Lord does and is doing through Kids Alive. So I, I, wanna get, I want you to get to know him a little bit. And I want you to see why he said that us being committed to the global mission of God is so important. So I'm gonna ask you to please welcome to the to the platform. You, brother. Now, I got to tell you, man, this, this man is dynamite, and we only have five minutes to share the whole story. Uh, so, how about if you tell us a little bit about your life before you joined uh, Kids Alive?
4: Hi, my name is Mitchell. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I was a seven-year-old kid when my father died, mm-hmm. and I, I was the oldest of four kids. Uh, like around eight months, when my, after my father died, my mom moved to a town three hours away from where, where we used to live. And then in like around a year, I lost my father and my mom. Um, and my, me and my siblings, we were di- like dispersed in different houses. I moved with my grandpa, and then he, he, he used to work as a watchman in a public school. And I was like basically obligated to work with him, sleep with him in the public school. Uh, we, we literally sleep on the floor. Mm. I remember sometimes that we uh, going to sleep with an empty stomach, many times. And that was like, I mean like kind of how my life was in that time. Um, it, I, I also, you know, suffer like physically abuse by my grandpa and my other siblings also, they have their own stories. But yeah, that was kind of like before. Yeah. yeah, so tell
3: us a little bit about how is it that you got to Kids Alive and what was your experience as you were part of this ministry? Because you were eight years old, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience there.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, in, in that same time, I got to Kids Alive and many things change, yeah. Even though that I still, you know, sleep working with my grandpa in that situation, but each morning when I go to to Kids Alive, to the program, for me, as a little kid, it it was like going to heaven, Hmm. because it was the only place where, where I was receiving, where I received the love, where I met the Lord, I know about God's love, and received education, uh, also received provision, mm. and, and even till the university, I also received the education for the university. I graduated, and thanks to the program, mm. and a lot of more things that I can say. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, so um, just in case you missed it, um, uh, Michel got there when he was eight and he went through the entire program until he graduated and after he graduated he went on to college. Now, um, you graduated from college and you went back and you actually served at Kids Alive for a while, yeah. right? But tell us more, what happened after the Lord used Kids Alive in your life? What happened after? You graduated and then yeah. what?
4: Yeah, I graduated and I, and I served like around five years in the ministry. Oh, wow. Helping all the kids with, the, with Kids Alive. and That was amazing for me. Because I could have the chance to see, you know, to give also what I receive. Amen. And, and that, that's, I think that's a treasure that I can have for the rest of my life. Then I graduated and I, uh, right now I'm, you know, serving in my local church, serving the community. Uh, I'm, I'm also the worship leader in my church. Uh, got married with yeah. a wonderful wife and I have two kids, two beautiful kids. And, uh, I also run a music consulting business along with my wife. Wow. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're doing right now. So I know that one important question for you to answer
3: every time you have been interviewed in this kind of things is, is this question, where would you be today if the Lord had not used Kids Alive to transform you? Where would you be today?
4: That, that's a very good question. He, well, gave me, he gave me that question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, I'll be, in, well, I'll probably be dead, probably in drugs, or, or, you know, having kids, you know, with different people, and probably also, um, you know, destroying more kids' lives. Mm. And, yeah, many other things, because I, I know other, other kids like me when I was a kid, that we're in the same situation or worst, that their story is different. You know, I, I'm talking about kids that didn't, was not in the program, kids that didn't have the opportunity that I had. Yeah. Thanks to God and, and kids alive. And as I see their lives today and, and that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, Yeah.
3: So, uh, as a church, we have been supporting uh, Vic and Leslie for 20 years, I believe. Uh, So, we have been part of this for 20 years and more probably before that. Um, So, um, what is it that you would like to say to the congregation? Because there's people here that have been super committed to this. What would you like to say to them?
4: Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want to encourage you to keep supporting Get mm-hmm. supporting, Kids alive, get supporting people like Victor and Leslie, these two angels right here,
5: mm-hmm.
4: and and I want I would also like to say to, to say something very quick, and so uh, Pro, Pro, Proverbs twenty two says that direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it, and I am I am right here right now in front of you, and. I want to thank you because you were part of that. Mm. Thank you for supporting. And I want to encourage you to keep supporting. Mm-hmm. Keep supporting with your prayers also because those who goes in person are very important. But also those who goes with their support and prayer. Amen. And thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It, this time is very important for me because, you know, my whole life I, I, I always thought about uh, one day. Having the opportunity to be in front of you guys mm. and thank you, thank you very much. God bless. You you
5: much. You.
3: Let's pray. Lord, we have no idea how profound it is when you use your people for the extension of the kingdom. Lord, we are so grateful, not only that we get to participate, but we get to see the power of the gospel in the life of a person. Lord, we are so grateful for all of our missionaries, including today the ministry of Kids Alive, people that are committed to the extension of the kingdom and loving people with words and deeds. We are grateful, Lord, that that the gospel... Creates a movement, a movement in in which people live radically for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you continue to do that in us and through us. And I pray, Lord, that you move us. If there's people here that are uh, sensing the call in their lives to go to a different place, Lord, that they may respond to it. But I also pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we continue to pray, that we continue to give, that we continue to support, that we continue to love the kingdom as much as you love it. Please, Lord, speak to us. Transform us by the power of your word and the presence of the Spirit. Make us into the people that you want us to be. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says... I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you to now stand, please, for the reading of God's word as a sign of reverence to Him.
0: Our scripture reading this
6: morning comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. If you have your journals, uh, that's on page 66 in your journals. We encourage you to read along with us. Uh, and if you've forgotten to get your new sticker today, make sure you do that on the way out. But here's what the word of the Lord has to say. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on the good soil where it was produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop, yielding 160, or 30 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord.
3: All right, good morning, familia. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Hannibal. Uh, And I want to start by, again, welcoming you all to Winn Bible Church, especially if you're visiting for the first time or if you're connecting with us online for the first time. We are always glad that we get to see new faces, uh, and we're always glad that we get to worship together Today we continue with our series on the Gospel of Matthew, and we are starting a brand new section. If you have your journal, you can see that we're starting a brand new section that we have called the King's Parables, that are all these six parables that we find in Matthew chapter 13. As Pastor Brent says, if every time we start a new section, we also have a new sticker with a new icon. Actually, the one that we have here on the right. Uh, so, if you don't have that one, uh, please grab one. If you don't have your journal, still grab the sticker. Right? It's free, so don't worry. I mean, it's not free. You, you gave offerings for that sticker. But, so, just, just grab the sticker. Um, and by the way, if you have lost your journal with the Word of God in it, First of all, don't worry, the Lord already forgave you. And two, go to the lost and found thing. We have like a collection of those over there. If you're new to the church and you don't have a journal, just go to that box, you'll find one there for free. <laughs> Halfway done, you don't even need to fill the thing. All right, today as we look into Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna, we're gonna look at just one parable which is known as the parable of the sower. And if you're not familiar with the concept of a parable in the Gospels, uh, this, is, this is the way I can describe it. A parable is, is a story that Jesus created. It's a made-up story in order to communicate truth and stimulate the thinking or our thinking. Parables are meant and were created to make us think about the truths of God one of the ways the scholars put it is parables are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. What is interesting is that in the Gospel of Matthew, every time we find a parable, it's connected to the concept of the kingdom of God. Meaning, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish, a kingdom in which God is king over every area and sphere of our lives. So the question that I'm going to try to answer this morning is, where does, where does the kingdom of God start? Where does the kingdom of God start? And I'm going to get to answer that question. We're going to go through three points. We're going to talk about the heart of the kingdom, the fruit of the kingdom, and the seed of the kingdom. The heart, the fruit, and the seed. Let's go with point number one, the heart of the kingdom. There's a reason why I use the word heart there. There's a reason why I start with the word heart. Because one thing that you're going to see in this parable is that the kingdom always starts in the hearts of men. The transformation always starts first in the hearts of men. That the kingdom, at the end of the day, is people that have been transformed in their hearts. And that's why at the beginning of this parable in verse 3, this is what Jesus says. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow as his seed. Now the farmer in this text is God. The farmer in this parable story is God. And notice that it is the farmer or the God or God, the one that takes the initiative to sow his seed. It is important to see right at the beginning of this parable that it wasn't humanity's initiative to pursue God, but that it was God's initiative to pursue his people. But notice that the text says that the seed is God's message or God's word. Is God communicating something to his people? That's why throughout the text, you're going to see the synonyms of the word seed there as word or message. But then He tells you that that message, that word that people hear is planted in people's hearts. That's what we see in verse 19 when He says that the seed was sown in the heart, which it'll be the metaphor for the heart there. It'll be the, the word soil. Now, the question that you must ask is, Why use the word heart? Or why is the heart the place in which God works? Why is the heart the place in which God starts transformation? And the best way I can explain this is like this. Your heart is the controlling agent behind everything we do, everything we love, everything we care for, and everything we hate. Your heart is the one thing that you find behind everything we do, everything we love, everything you care for, and everything we hate. In other words, we are not just the things we do. We are the things that we have in our heart. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know what you love, if you want to know what you care for, if you really want to know what you hate... You have to pay attention to what you have in your heart. This is the reason why there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about the heart. For example, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 it says that God not only sees the behavior of men or the appearance of men, but that he sees the heart behind that appearance. This is the same reason why Psalm 54 says that God knows not just how you behave, but the secrets of your heart. That's scary. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says that we're supposed to guard our heart because everything flows from that. In Ezekiel chapter 18, says that we are so corrupted that we need a new heart. Not new behavior, new heart. In Luke chapter 6, says that whatever comes out of our mouth comes out of our heart. In other words, there's nothing you say and I say that is an innocent word. It all flows from your heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 says that we are so corrupted that our heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That's why Psalm 51, King David cries out to God and says, Create in me a new heart. Listen up, church. The reason why God, the farmer, plants his seed in the heart of men. Is because if the heart is transformed, everything else will be transformed. If the heart is renewed, everything else will be renewed. Once again, the Bible talks about the heart as the controlling agent behind everything we do, love, care for, and hate. From God's perspective, behavior is not enough. Behaving well is not enough. Transformation does not come simply because you behave well. Transformation only comes when your heart has been, has been transformed. I don't know how many of you guys have heard uh, a term that is used left and right now all over the place. It's calling the deconstructing of faith. Actually, it's super interesting how many people that grew up in Christianity and grew up in a church now are, are uh, talking about deconstruction all over the place. And this is people, once again, that, has raised, that was raised, many of them were raised in Christianity. And part of the idea that they bring is that if you deconstruct your faith, you'll find freedom. And to a certain degree, I understand why people go through that, you know? Some people are struggling with deconstruction because they, were, they suffer a lot in a local church. Some people are deconstructing because they experience pain through uh, maybe through another Christian. Many people are experiencing deconstruction because in the midst of pain and suffering, they, they, don't, they don't have the right answers. There are things that they just can't explain. But if there's one thing that is common in the most people I heard of that are deconstructing, is that they come from a background in which well our good behavior was highly elevated and not their hearts. That's why there's so many young people that that grew up in Christianity and as soon as they hit college, they walk away from the Lord. It's because maybe, maybe, just maybe. Our emphasis was more in people externally behaving well instead of a transformation of the heart. But the parable is going to teach us that the only way to keep us from deconstructing our faith or to help us reconstruct our faith is when we pay attention to the attitude of our hearts toward God and his word. And the way I'm going to walk you through this, and the way the parable does this, is it shows you four different attitudes of the heart toward the Word of God. Or you could say four different hearts. And these are the the ones that I'm going to show you. One is the careless heart, the superficial heart, the divided heart, and the attentive heart. And as we go through this list, church, I want to invite you to, for you to do a personal assessment and see if that's a description of where you are. So let's go with the first one of these, the the careless heart. Look at what it says in verse four. It says that the farmer goes out and as he says, scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And Jesus paints this picture of this farmer that, a farmer that goes out to a field, and usually in a field, there is a section where there's good soil, but there's also a section in which you find hard soil. And part of the reason why those places, according to uh, what a farmer would say, those places are like that, is because usually these are the paths where people step over, step over and over again. And the more you step the seed the, in the soil the harder it gets and the harder it gets the harder it is for the seed to penetrate the soil the easier it is for the birds to eat it. So the question I want you to ask the text is this how does a heart becomes hard? How does a heart becomes hard verse 19 answers the question it says that this is when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Notice what the text says. It says that this is the attitude of a person who hears the word of God and just doesn't care. He's not interested in understanding what the word of God says. It is hearing but not listening. It's to really not care what the word says. I would say that that would be the difference between a religious person and a Christian. A religious person can literally sit down and listen to the same message and not care. A Christian seeks to understand. Listen, um, let me give you an example to see if it makes sense. Have you ever had a conversation with someone in which you are... Man, you're expressive, you are engaged, and the person that you're having a conversation with clearly don't care about the thing you're saying. And usually you know because the person is looking all over the place or keeps looking at you and then looks away. This is how you know that the person is really not paying attention, that the person doesn't really care. When I was a teacher, that's what, that was what I experienced every day. You know, here I'm teaching my lungs out, man. And I see these kids like, oh, that, I, and I'm thinking, why am I here? So see, when I became a pastor, I thought that I was going to change. <laughs> some of you are doing it to me right now. There's a brother or two like, <laughs> and some other ones are playing around with the phone just in case. A careless attitude toward God and his word really shapes your heart. And what shapes your heart controls your life. Is that you? Attitude number two, the superficial heart. Look at what we have in verse five. It says that some seed fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil it sprang quickly sprang out quickly because the soil was shallow and jesus says that this is a seed that in the surface you see good soil but that underneath, underneath the, the soil you find all these rocks that makes the soil shallow so the question is What makes a person shallow? What makes a heart shallow? And verse 20 is going to respond to that by saying that this is someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Notice that the text says that at once people get excited and quickly fall away. This describes a group of people that could see listening to the word of God, and for some reason is like, yay! But that as soon as the word starts demanding things from you, and persecution and trouble comes, you quickly, or people quickly, fall away. See, I don't think that the problem is with the emotions. I mean, if you have been part of the church, you probably already heard me say that I'm all for emotions. I mean, I think you could tell. I think that emotions are beautiful. It's part of our humanity. I think that to restrict your emotions is unhealthy. I actually think that we get to enjoy the Lord much more when you embrace your emotions. If you are being part of the church, you have probably heard me say that this is why I struggle so much when some people say, I'm not an emotional person. Which, by the way, is usually guys. What I find interesting about that is that the same guy that just told me that is the same guy that is screaming his lungs out to the screen when he's watching his, um, his favorite team play. He's the same guy that gets super excited and talking about work and sports and tools. That looks like an emotional person to me. The problem then is not with the emotions. The problem is what is behind the emotion. What is it that triggers that emotion? Because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and is active. And it tells you that when we encounter God and His Word, you're supposed to feel something. But see, we feel something because of who God is because of what God has done, and because of what God could do. Those are good emotions. Can I get a little bit more personal? Yes? Or no? You said it. There's different temperaments, right? People have different emotions, and they express emotions in different ways. So I'm not asking anybody to go, ah, every time we gather together. But I want you to pay attention that for me, it's simply impossible to grasp who God is. How powerful and beautiful and magnificent he is. And for us not to respond in an emotional way to that God. Amen. So when we worship, your emotions should match the God you worship. I told you it was going to be personal. Because I don't want anybody to be something that you're not. But I don't want you to restrict what you feel when you understand who this God is. See, the problem is not with the emotions. The problem is when your emotions are superficial. And you get excited for excitement's sake. But when you truly understand who the God that we have is, who is the God that speaks in his word, your emotions should come, should become alive. Excitement for the sake of excitement does not do anything for your spiritual life, but excitement that flows from, your, from you grasping who God is, what he has done, what he can do. Those are emotions that you ought to embrace. So we cannot be transformed in our hearts with a superficial relationship with God. Your emotions must flow from the right place. Attitude number three, a divided heart. Look at what Jesus says in verse seven. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plant. And Jesus once again paints this picture of the seed that falls among the thorns. And the seed wants to grow, but the thorns are so strong, so many, that they're taking the nutrients that the seed needs. Therefore, the seed is choked. It takes from the seed what the seed needs. So the question you got to ask the text is, What is it that these thorns, why is it that these thorns take away from the seed? And the text answers the question in verse 22. This refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is what the text says. That this is a group of people that genuinely want to serve and love the Lord This is a group of people that really, genuinely want to to love the word of God. But that at the same time, they worry way too much about things in this life. And love way too much money and what money can buy. You guys remember what Jesus said before? No one can have two masters. Because you will love one and despise the other. No one can love money and what money buys and love God with the same intensity and commitment. Notice that that Jesus doesn't say that it's wrong for you to have money and to have things. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus is concerned with two words, worry and deceitfulness. Do you know what that means? That even if you want to love the Lord and serve the Lord and submit to the Lord, when you worry way too much about money and what money can buy, that takes away from your heart. That even if you really want to love the Lord, if you worry more about what you can buy and what you can keep instead of what you can give, that takes away from your heart. That even when you are, that when you are too anxious, which by the, way, by the way, that's the word worry in the text as well, When you are too anxious about things that takes away from your heart. And what about deceitfulness? I think that what Jesus is saying uh, saying here is that we are deceived when we think that because we have money and things, We can have complete satisfaction, security, significance, and true happiness. There's nothing more deceitful than that. You know why? Because within seconds, you could lose it all. Within seconds. And what would happen with your satisfaction, your security, your significance, and your happiness? See, the love of money and the worry for things and life is so deceitful because we'll, we start to trust money and what money can buy in something that promises the world and cannot deliver anything. You do know that you can buy love, right? That you cannot buy love. You do know that at the end of your days, you are not going to care how big your house was, how many toys you bought. At the end of your days, you're not going to care about that. You do know that at the end of your days, God forbid that you get some sort of sickness. You are not going to care about that stuff. You're going to care about two things. Two things alone. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. I told you this before. I've never heard of anyone that is about to pass away and are wondering why is it that they didn't buy a bigger house? Or why is it that they didn't go to Florida? You know what people wonder about? You know what people ask? Lord, can you give me five more minutes with my kids? Can you give me five more minutes with my wife or my husband? Can you give me just a chance to ask for forgiveness? Can you give me the minute so I could repair what was broken? If there's something that has the potential to choke your spiritual life, it's the worry of this life and the love of money and the things that money can buy. Listen, I'm not telling you to get poor. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, if you want to get rid of your money, give it to the church, man. We sent another 90 missionaries. It's about worry and it's about deceitfulness. It's when we put and use things like functional saviors. So these are the three hearts that take your spiritual life away. The careless heart, the superficial heart, and the divided heart. How does one change then? I think that the text is going to say that the only way someone changes from within when the heart is transformed is when we have an attentive heart. Look at what Jesus says in verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. Where he produced a crop 160 and 30 times what was sown. And this leads me to my second point. Another half an hour. Listen up. Let's talk about the fruit of the kingdom because verse 8 says that what makes a difference is when your heart, your soil, is a good soil. What does that mean? Jesus says, responds to that in verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. Two key words, hear and understand. This is where word study actually helps me as a preacher. Because the word hear, to hear, is not just to listen, it's to really pay attention is to carefully hear, is to pay attention because you want to obey. Which, by the way, the word hear in the text can also be translated as obey. It's someone that really pays attention to be modified by what we hear to the point that our will is affected. And the word understand obviously can be translated as to comprehend and to grasp. But there's a little bit more profound meaning behind that word because it literally can be translated as putting together. Is to take the time to think and ponder and see how things work together. And it tells you that a person with a good heart or a good soil is someone that is attentive to God and the word of God. That is intentional about pondering and understanding and paying attention to him and what he is doing and saying. Is someone that is willing to submit to him, surrender our wills to him. It tells us that, a, that a spiritual growth only doesn't happen overnight. It is this constant interaction with God and his word. That's why one of the key words about studying the Bible in the Bible is the word meditation. Did you know that the word meditation literally can be translated as chewing? Like when you have a piece of gum in your hand, in your mouth? I know that you guys don't like that stuff, but I love that stuff. Is that mm, 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 mm. You know what I do every weekend as I prepare? I'm chewing. I'm chewing the Bible. I want to get the flavor out of that. And that's the description of what a Christian does with the word of God. You wrestle with this book until you get it. You don't want to pray? You pray until you want to pray. You don't want to read the Bible? You read until you want to read the Bible. You don't want to spend time with other Christians? Spend time with other Christians until you want to. Chew, 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 chew. Meditate, think, reason, ask questions. You know what is the best thing for someone that is struggling with deconstruction? Is to ask a lot of questions. And our Lord always responds. And when we do that, we produce fruit. Verse 23, the one who hears the word and understands it, this is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. Notice that there's different types of growth. I notice that it might be different seasons. I notice that there are seasons in which you don't see that you're growing, but other seasons in which you can see it, and there are seasons in which you cannot see how much you're growing, but everybody else can. That's what happens when the attitude of our heart is like a good soil that hears and understands God and what God says. It's so interesting because I don't think that there's anything more countercultural today than to do that. You know, someone asked me, asked me this week, this week uh, what is it that we're doing in a church that is causing the church to grow the way it's growing? <laughs> and I said, we are doing what the Bible says we should do. That's it. You know, someone, when we talked about going uh, uh, through this series for two years almost, the Gospel of Matthew, people are saying, How are you going to do that? People are going to get bored. And I say, They're going to get bored if you're a lame preacher. (laughs) But if the Word of God is active and alive, that shouldn't be a problem. The most counter-cultural thing we could do is to take the time to think and meditate and fight the tyranny of business and fight the, the running around and fight for a relationship with him and his word. That's why healthy rhythms are so important for the spiritual life. It is fighting against a culture that believes that everything is supposed to move fast. This is the culture of the drive through and microwaves. This is the culture of fast internet and instant gratification. This is the culture of louder noise and multitasking. You and your family must fight for this. Because hearing takes time and understanding takes time. Fighting against carelessness takes time. Fighting against your emotions takes time. Fighting against putting other things on functional saviors takes time. It is only when we put emphasis and we pursue to see the weight of God, the glory of God, the dignity of God, the beauty of God, the magnificence of God that we produce fruit. How about if I tell you... That before you do any of that, you need one more thing. There's one more thing that is crucial, that is a prerequisite in order for you to truly hear and to truly understand. Point number three, the seed of the kingdom. You remember who's telling this parable, right? That's Jesus. Jesus. And I want you to see something weird that happens in the text, because from verses 1 to 9, he starts talking about the seed, the parable. Then there's a break in between, from verses 10 to 15, and then he comes back to the parable in verses 16 to 23. What is interesting, though, is that in that middle section, there's a prophecy about Jesus. It's a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah made about Jesus. Look at what it says in verses 14 and 15. The prophecy of Isaiah, it says that Jesus would come so they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. You know what that section tells you? That that seed, that word, that message that the farmer God planted, according to John 1, is Jesus. But the one person we need to embrace first and hear and understand in order for our hearts to want to be transformed and to be empowered to experience transformation must be Jesus. Listen up. But not just see Jesus in his life you could see some of that and that is good you could see the mercy of god the compassion of god the compassion of god the love of god the beauty of god in jesus life but john 12 tells us that we what we also need to see is jesus death and he uses the image of a seed And he says that in order for a seed to give life, must first die. You want to see the beauty of God? You want to see how magnificent he is? You want to see the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the holiness of God, the commitment of God? You want to see how beautiful he is? Look at your Savior, dying in a cross to save your soul, to transform your heart. See who Jesus is and what he did for you. That even though we have all been careless, and we have all been superficial, and we have had divided hearts, He chose to die for you. Hear that and understand that. And that's how everything starts. Why wouldn't you want to go get to know a God like that? Amen? Amen? Let's pray. My beautiful Savior, we are grateful. That we are not alone, that we don't have to figure out who you you are, what you like, what you don't like, what you have done, what you could do. We are grateful, Lord, that we have access to your word, and that your word is active and alive, and it never comes back empty, and that your word is what the Spirit uses to transform our minds, hearts, and affections. And that it is your word that the Spirit uses to affect our wills, but not just the word. But it's the word of redemption, it is the word of Jesus Christ, living, dying, and resurrecting for our sake, it is the word that really transformed our hearts, the word of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that we may be able to see, hear, and understand. So we could see the beauty of our Father in the face of jesus christ and we pray for all this in the name of jesus and we all say
1: as we end our prayer is that god would make not only our hearts as a congregation uh, the good soil um, but that he would do that all across the world, and so as we look towards Mission Fest, that's what we're are praying as we sing this last song. That God would uh, bless us and give us and help us to seek after that good soil for our hearts. So let's stand, sing that way. Thank you.
2: strong.
3: Weeks we're going to be celebrating Missions Fest, and if you've been part of the church, uh, it's something that we're super proud of because we are so committed to the global cause of Christ. So I want to invite you to uh, just come back and invite others to see what the Lord is doing. Um, As you could tell, as we said it before, there are uh, 52 flags up there somewhere, and each one of them represents represent places where we have missionaries. Um, So once again, that starts next week. But there's one thing that I wanted you to uh, be part of, and I want to invite you to join us in. Next Sunday, October 16th, at 6 p.m., we're going to have something called Missions Fest Classified. This is something that we did last year as well, in which we share with the congregation stories that we cannot do, put here uh, in public. These are missionaries and things that the Lord is doing in places where there's high persecution because of faith in Jesus. So I want to invite you to come and join us and participate and see what the Lord is doing, not just in the United States, but all around the world. Amen? Amen? Let's receive the blessing that Jesus Christ guarantees for us. And this one is coming from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. And the church says, have a blessed day. Thanks for coming, church. You are sent. We love you.